Up until now, the Mishnahists have been discussing somebody who enters into the base Hamikdash whilst he is Tomei, or he eats the meat of a carbon whilst he is Tomei. This Mishnah discusses somebody Nitman Azara, where after he already entered into the base Hamikdash, then he became Tomei whilst he was in the courtyard of the base Hamikdash. Now it's learned from Psukim, as we have seen, that in order to be liable to the carbon oil of a yoyred, for this Avera, one has to have known that he was Tomei, and then forgotten that he was Tomei. And then once he rea- realizes later on that he violated that Avera, he would be liable to the carbon oil of a Yoraid. And the same applies to somebody who became Tomei in the base Hamikdash. He's only going to be liable to the carbon if he forgets about the Tumah, or he forgets that it's the base Hamikdash. So the Mishnah says, If the Tumah becomes hidden from him, meaning he forgets that he is Tomei, immediately after realizing that he is Tomei, the Zohar is Hamikdash, but he does still realize that he is in the base Hamikdash, or if it's the opposite, the fact that he is in the base Hamikdash is hidden from him, he doesn't realize, the Zohar but he is still aware and remembers that he is Tomei, or if he forgets both that he is in the base Hamikdash and that he is Tomei, in all these cases he's going to be liable, but he's only liable if one of the following three things happen. Either the hishtachava, he bows down, even if he bows down quicker than it regularly takes, or even if he doesn't bow down, but he remains there in the Beis Hamikdash for the amount of time that it takes to bow down. And the Gemara explains that this is the amount of time that it takes to read a particular apostle in Divya Yomim, which talks about bowing down and thanking Hashem. So the, um, a few seconds, even though he doesn't actually bow down, if he waits there for enough time to bow down, then he would be violating the, the, the Avera and he would be liable to a carbon. Or even if the second that he becomes Tomei and forgets that he is Tomei, he doesn't wait there at all. He immediately leaves the base Hamikdash. And remember, we're talking about a case where he doesn't necessarily know he's Tomei anymore, he forgot. But it happened to be that he left the base Hamikdash immediately. However, he didn't leave the Beis Hamikdash using the shortest route, Bolo Baruka. He left the Beis Hamikdash on a longer route. In all these cases, Chayev will be liable to bring a carbon oil of back at Sara. However, if he left the Beis Hamikdash using the shortest route possible, and he didn't wait then for enough time to bow down, and he didn't bow down, then Potter would be exempt from bringing the carbon because just like most mitzvahs and averas, there is an amount which of that avera or mitzvah which one needs to do. One needs to eat a kazayas of matzah on Pesach, let's say. Over here, the sheer, the amount of time that needs to be there to violate that avera is the amount of time that it takes to bow down or whatever it may be according to the examples which we specified. And therefore, in this case where he left immediately using the shortest route, he would be exempt. Now, the law is that if the Sanhedrin make a ruling about a particular law, about a particular Avera, which the, whose punishment for that Avera, if done on, on purpose, is kores, and if done by mistake, is to bring a korin chatos. If the Sanhedrin make a mistake and say that that particular Avera is permitted, or one of the ways of violating that Avera is permitted, and the majority of the Jewish people follow that law and they violate that Avera, once the basin realized that they made a mistake, they need to bring a unique carbon called the Parhel and Dovashal Tzibor. Be as it may, the Mishnah in Maseches Hurya says that this applies only if the Avera which we're talking about, when that Avera is violated, the person who violates it need to, needs to bring a carbon Chatos. But this doesn't include a carbon Olivier raid. 
even though a carbon olivariate is also a carbon chatos, it's just that it, the, the type of thing which is offered up changes based on the person's wealth, but it's still got the status of a carbon chatos. Nevertheless, the law of bringing a parhead and dovishal tzibor only applies if the punishment for that avera, when done by mistake, is to bring a carbon chatos which is fixed. That regardless of one's wealth, he always brings the same thing. And therefore the Mishnah says, This which we've been discussing is a positive mitzvah regarding the Beis HaMikdash, as well as the negative prohibition of entering the Beis HaMikdash whilst one is Tomei. There is also a positive mitzvah of that they need to send away from the camp and make sure that anybody who is Tomei doesn't enter the Beis HaMikdash. On this mitzvah, the Beistim would not be liable to bring a parhelam davashal tzibor if they made a mistaken ruling regarding this law. Mishnah Dalad, this is a continuation of the previous Mishnah, going slightly sidetracked, what would be considered a positive mitzvah regarding the laws of Nidah? Nidah is a woman who is Tomei as a result of blood exiting her body in a particular way during her period and a mistaken ruling regarding the laws of a nidah would obligate the based in the Sanhedrin to bring a parhel amdavashal tzibor. And the mission gives an example of a case where they would be liable for such a thing if they made a mistake regarding the following rule. If somebody was having relations with a woman who was tahar, she had not yet become a nidah, and in the middle whilst he's having relations with her, she tells him that I just became a nidah. It's now forbidden by the punishment of Kores even to continue having relations with her. Will perish miyad, and he immediately separates from her and stops having relations. Says the Mishnah, this is an incorrect ruling. And if Beistin were to rule this, they would be liable to Parhelim Dovishal Tzibur. Chayav, in this case, the person would be liable to Kores. Or if he does it by mistake, he would be liable to bring a Korban Chatos. Because the act of separating and stopping having relations with her whilst he is in the middle of having relations with her, that also gives him benefit in the same way as actually having the relations with her. Rather, the law is that he needs to wait until his body is no longer in a state fitting to have relations, until his male organ relaxes, and then he should separate from her, and that way he will have no more benefit from the relations with this woman who is a nidah. Mishnah, up until now, we have been assuming, and the first mission already of the Masechta, told us that there are four different ways that one could be liable to a carbon olivariate if he didn't realize he was Tomei, or if he didn't realize that he was eating a carbon, or that he was entering the Beit HaMikdash. We're going to see in this Mishnah that it is actually subject to a debate, and only according to one of the opinions in this Mishnah is this true. Rebbeleza says, the Pasuk, when talking about the prohibition of entering the Beit HaMikdash whilst he is Tomei and bringing carbon olivariate, it starts to, it doesn't just say if you are Tomei and you enter the Beit HaMikdash, then you need to bring carbon olivariate. It starts going into all of the details. It says if you become Tomei in this way, or Hasheretz, by touching a small insect-like animal, or when it is dead, which is a source of Tumah, and it discusses another sort of source of Tumah, and then it says, and the fact that your tome is hidden from you, and you enter into the Beis HaMikdash in your state of Tumah. Says the Mishnah, Rebeleza learns from this, that If it was hidden from you, and you forgot that you became tome via a Sheretz, via some small animal, then you would be liable. Meaning it has to be that when you knew, remember, we always have to have that original knowledge of the Tumah, and then he forgets it. So according to Rebeleza, when he did know that he was Tomei, 
It has to be that he knew the type of Tumah that he became Tomei with. It has to be that he knew that he became Tomei via touching a Sheretz. Alright, and according to that, it wouldn't be enough just to know that you're Tomei, and also, you would be nev- never be liable if you didn't realize it was the, the Beis Hamikdash. If you knew that you were Tomei still, you just didn't realize you were entering into the Beis Hamikdash, or a part of the Beis Hamikdash, that it's forbidden to enter whilst you're Tomei. According to Rebilezer, there would be no such violation in that case. Only if you forgot that you were Tomei would you be liable. Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Akiva says, the Pasuk says, If it becomes if it becomes hidden from him, and he is still Tomei, impl- that implies, according to Rabbi Akiva, for forgetting that he is Tomei, he will be liable. He doesn't have to have originally known how exactly he became Tomei. If he just knows that he became Tomei, that's enough. If he forgets afterwards and enters the Beis Hamikdash in that state, that would be enough to make him liable. But Rabbi Akiva agrees that the Mikdash, he is not liable if he just doesn't realize that it's the Beis Hamikdash. Only if the thing which makes him do the Savera is the fact that he didn't realize he was Tomei, only then would he be liable. Rabbi Shmol, I'm Rabbi Shmol says, and this is the opinion which we have been following until now, the Torah talks about the fact that it is hidden from him twice, that he didn't, he wasn't aware of his state. And the fact that the Torah repeats it comes to teach us that he will be liable whether he forgot that he was Tomei or if he forgot and didn't realize that it was the Beis HaMikdash. In both of those cases, he would be liable to bring a carbon oile via raid. Finally, we have arrived at Masechus Shavuot, so now starting the subject of the Masechta, which are the different types of oaths. And the vast majority of this parak talks about the first of the four types of oaths, which are Mida namely a Shavuot Bitui, which is a Shavuot which is made voluntarily. It has nothing to do with based in. And the way that the Torah talks about this Shavuot is the Torah says, A person who makes an oath and he expresses with his lips, To do bad or to do good. Meaning, the way we interpret that Pasuk is that he swears that he's going to do something which is, so to speak, bad for himself, meaning he's going to withhold himself from something. He is not going to do something, or he's going to do good with himself. That's when he swears that he is going to do something. So the Pasuk itself is talking about swearing to do something in the future. We'll see later on in this Perek that it's learnt from the same Pasuk. That would also apply if he swears about something in the past. It's a factual oath that he did do something or that he didn't do something. And now the Mishnah explains, regarding a Shavuaz Bitui, there are two cases which are explicit in the Pasuk. That's when we're talking about Shavua in the future. But it's really four because there's also two which he could swear about the past. And now the Mishnah gives these four cases. Shavua Sha'ichal, if he makes a Shavua that I will eat something. Or Shalai'ichal, I make a Shavua that I'm not going to eat something. Shalchalti, I make a Shavua that I did eat something yesterday, let's say. Or Shalai'ichalti, I make a Shavua that I didn't eat something. Those are the four cases, an example of the four cases. Says the Mishnah, if somebody says, I make a Shavuot that I'm not going to eat, let's say, today. He specifies a particular amount of time where it's possible for him not to eat, and he swears, I'm not going to eat anything today. And he ate any small, tiny amount of food. Chayev, he is liable for having violated his oath, his Shavuot. The punishment for that would be Malchus, if he did it on purpose. If he did it by mistake, he'd have to bring a carbon, as we'll learn later on in the Perek. Rabbi Akiva, that is the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. Amulai, the Chacham said to Rabbi Akiva, the Chacham said to Rabbi Akiva, 
Where in the entire Torah do we find that somebody who eats even the tiniest amount of something which is forbidden is liable to a punishment for that? That all of a sudden we're saying that this person is liable. If, for example, somebody eats on Yom Kippur, although it's certainly forbidden to eat even the smallest amount, he's only liable to the punishment if he eats a certain minimum amount. In general, maybe not for Yom Kippur, but in general, the minimum amount is a kazayas, the size of a kazayas. But we never find that somebody who eats the smallest amount is now liable. Omar Henry Akiva, Akiva said to them, I'll explain. Where else in the Torah do we find that somebody speaks and he says that I'm not going to eat? And he ends up bringing a korban just for violating what he spoke. The Aveira which he's doing is that the Shavua which he did turns out to be a false one. Even though he didn't do any action at the time of the Shavua, and in general a korban is only bought for doing an action. But here we find that the Torah said that even if you don't do an action, you just speak, that's enough to obligate you in a korban. Shazem without a korban. In this case, he speaks, and that is the thing which obligates him in a korban if he violates that Shavua. And what Rabbi Akiva is trying to say is that over here, the Avera is not the actual eating. If the Avera was the actual eating, then we would need to have a minimum amount so that it's considered to be a significant eating. But in this case, he's the one who created the prohibition of eating. And how did he create it? He said, I'm not going to eat anything. So as soon as he eats anything, he's already gone against his Shavua. He's already turned his oath into a false oath, into a false Shavua. The Avera is not the actual eating. It's the Shavua, and therefore, even if he eats a tiny amount, he would already have violated that prohibition. Now, there's a rule that Drinking is included in the general concept of eating. When people refer to eating, that includes eating and drinking. And because of that, if somebody says, I am making an oath not to eat, for example, not to eat for the next day, he's now forbidden to eat and he's forbidden to drink. Even if he only drinks and he doesn't eat anything, he would be liable. And what happens if he ate and he drank? We're talking about a case where he ate and drank in one go without remembering and realizing that he violated the Shavuah in between. We're talking about a case where he forgot that he that it was forbidden for him to do this. And he ate and then he drank. In Chayv achas he is only liable to one korban. Just like if he had eaten multiple times without remembering in between that it was forbidden. We look at drinking in exactly the same way as eating over here. To the extent that we're saying that drinking is included in eating, we can't now look at it as something separate. However, says the Mishnah, if he said, I'm making a Shavua that I'm not going to eat and that I'm not going to drink. The fact that he specified that I'm not going to drink, even though it's already included in eating, shows us that when he said, I'm making a Shavua not to eat, he didn't include drinking. And if that's the case, we now have two separate Shavuos which he made. One Shavuos is not to eat, and one Shavuos is not to drink. And therefore in this case, if he ate and he drank, even if he didn't realize in between and he did it in one go, Chayev Shtaim, who would be liable to two Korbanos for having violated two different Shavuos.